0: Good morning, church. Morning. It's great to be together. I love that song. But, uh, you know, sometimes we sing songs and I feel like they go so fast, like I'm running to catch a bus. And I actually start making up the lyrics so it sounds like, almost as if I were speaking in a tongue, which I was not doing. But greetings. I want to talk this morning. Happy New Year. You know, Steve did a great job last week from the book of Isaiah, and uh, God wants to do some new things. And what God has placed upon my heart is God wants us to live from a place of strength. I was meditating the other day on that passage in the book of Hebrews where it talks about, you know, God turns weaknesses into strength in battle. But then as I began to meditate on that passage, and I thought about the battles that we face and the battles that have been waged, you know, no battle commander would take a person that is gifted with a slingshot and put an arrow and bow in his hand. Because God really has intended us to use what he's gifted us to use. And we're going to see that in our study this morning, particularly in the book of Matthew, chapter 25. And many, maybe many of you are sitting here today go, you know, I'm a pretty motivated person. I just sometimes I don't know what to do with my motivation. Have you been there before? Or maybe you felt like, you know, I am masterful at starting things. But I really am weak in finishing. Well, the good news about today's lesson is I think we do see from the scriptures, we actually see answers to these difficult questions. And, you know, it's my conviction as I put the lesson together that it's not that God or any of us in the ministry want to have just busy members. The goal is not busy people in the church. The goal is a transforming and thriving membership. And I believe that comes when we use what we were gifted to use. How many of you have ever went to the golf range to the to the driving range with a golf club and have never had a golf club in your hand for the first time and you show up and That's a weird, weird situation. I joke with Anthony Galang. Anthony is in my life right now, and he's got one of the best golf swings I ever have seen. I said, Anthony, now let me show you why I ride motorcycles. See, I ride motorcycles because I don't have a golf swing. That's why I ride motorcycles. (laughs) But what would it be like for you and I to feel like, you know, I'm in the center of doing what I was intended to do. I don't want to do a lot of things well, just a couple And I hope from this morning's study that you feel that there's a clear pathway to using your gifts and your strengths as God so intended it. Amen? I want to begin, before I even jump into the lesson, I want to thank a handful of people that did a fantastic job with the workshop. Did you enjoy the workshop? I thought it was one of the best. And right, I do want to thank uh, for the food, you know, Elena and Julie. I know there's a they had a ton of people helping them. But I want to thank the both of you for working so incredibly hard. I want to thank uh, Joe Joe Eads who turned 60 yesterday. He's worshiping today with the San Diego Church of Christ. He did a fantastic job in the kitchen. Mark Amendola, of course, our servant de jour, did a great job. Bruce and May Roberts did a fantastic job decorating, along with Terry Dunnigan. Um, and I know there's a handful of other. Angela also as well did a fantastic job. And, of course, Dave and Jason did a great job uh, with the sound. And we can't thank you enough. And my wife is reminding me of somebody really important. And the Gomez's were in the kitchen. Eddie. Eddie was mopping. Amen. So we want to thank you. We couldn't have done it without you. And uh, it really, for me, was one of the more uh, clear, poignant you know, pictures of how much we need each other to do great things in the church. Amen. I hope you enjoyed dancing. we we'll are gonna be talking a little bit about that in my lesson, particularly when we heard one of our perennial favorites play that funky music, White Boy. It was great to see all the white men spring into action and bust out some of those funky, fresh moves that we've been hanging on to since the 70s. Appreciated Todd's water sprinkler, one of my favorites. You know, at least I know when I'm dancing, I really don't know how to dance. But others are still locked in a powerful delusion, i got to tell you. (laughs) I think there's a Japanese proverb that goes something like, you know, we're fools whether or not we dance, so let's just dance. But this morning, if you woke up, the lesson is, let's live from our strengths. And I want you to grab your wrist right now with these two fingers and search for your pulse. Because if you have one, you've been given another day, Amen. If you don't have one, just lay flat and we'll get to you after the sermon. (laughs) Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 29. We're going to talk about strength. There's some great quotes in this lesson from many, many different inspired authors from the Bible, and then there's some other uninspired authors. One of the braver things I stumbled upon in this teaching as I looked at Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 6, is, you know, yes, there is life after death and Jesus preaches it, but well, here's something even more compelling. Is there life before death? And that's really, that's something that Jesus preached in Matthew and he preached it in John and he came and he told us that we would have life to the full. In Psalm 29, the Bible makes us this promise through David. He says here in Psalm 29 verse 11, that the Lord sits enthroned over the flood the Lord is enthroned as a king forever. In verse 11, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. You know, the question this morning is, when you ask for strength, what is it that you want to do with it? And the bottom quote reads like this, as you grow older, you will find the only times you regret are the things that she didn't do. And today I want to bring you into the Bible and I want to show you how it systematically attacks this concept called hesitation. It attacks this thing in us that creates this thing called procrastination. Pro meaning forward, procrastination meaning of tomorrow. It creates in ourselves, in our nature, we are saddled and struggle with at times. This desire to defer what we can do today to tomorrow. How many of you have taken down your Christmas lights? Gosh, you're a better man or woman than me. I still have my Christmas lights up. I keep saying, I'm going to do it tomorrow. And Julie said, yes, you will do it tomorrow. What does it mean to live strong? You know, Lance Armstrong, accomplished cyclist, founder of the Live Strong Foundation, has dedicated this segment of his life to helping other people fight valiantly against cancer. What about us? What will it take for us to live strong as Christians in God's kingdom? Well, point number one, it's going to take an understanding of what it means to live in the moment. Let's go to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. In verse 25, Jesus says this here. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body. What you will wear is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. I want to thank every every one of you for uh, 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 acknowledging me or uh, uh, what I'm looking for. Well, I'll come back to that later. I have no idea what I'm looking for. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying... Can add a single hour to his life. And so Jesus began this this teaching about the paralysis that happens through anxiety. And anxiety is one way of you and I, in our minds, creating scenarios of things that either are supposed to happen or have not happened. But anxiety is crushing us because it Removes our ability to live in the moment. Listen to Adam, Adam Marshall said, you only live once, but if you live it right, once is enough. And I believe what Jesus is teaching here is a pearl for you and I to learn that we've got to learn what does it mean to live at peace in ourselves and with God? What is it like to live a life that is free? from anxiety? What is it like to live a life where we don't hesitate, when we don't procrastinate? What would it be like for you to live in the moment? Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11. These passages sound familiar to any of you? They're good ones, aren't they? It's interesting in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 6, the Bible says, Sow your seed in the morning and in the evening, let not your hands be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. You know, it's interesting, at the end of this passage, just talking about God granting favor, and the Bible uses the word success, and we all look for that in life. But the question is, well, how do we arrive at that in that text? Well, it's interesting that Solomon gives us insight into that. He calls us to do several things. One in verse 1, he just says, hey, you've got to cast your bread upon the water. You've got to be a person who is able to live in the moment and give. You've got to learn to give of yourself. You've got to be able to give and live in this moment. There's nothing more powerful than being present right here Right now, not thinking about what you have to do in two hours, not thinking about what you did or didn't do last night, or how silly you looked like on the dance floor. Can I get an amen, white men? You know you can't think of that, but the power is living in this moment right now. And the writer says, "Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days it will return back to you." He says the same thing in verse six: "Sow your seed in the morning, give, live." In the moment. And then the scripture says something powerful in verse four. Do you want to learn how to start things that are important to you that you've not started in a while? Well, then you have to stop watching the wind and start planting seeds. Church, it's debilitating. We go week after week after week and we put seeds in our hand and we stick them in our pockets and we're not sticking them in the ground and then we're praying to God. We're going, "You God, where are you? But are we taking the seed and are we sticking it in the ground? What an amazing opportunity for us today to leave here completely refreshed. Not guilted, but completely refreshed that now we have an opportunity to begin something meaningful that we've been putting off for a long time, and I don't know what that is for you. But I hope that you pray and you talk and you massage and you wrestle and you bring it up to the top because God is making a promise today. In fact, even the commentator said at the end of this verse, he says, you know, what I get from the passage in so many words is, you just have to stop waiting for the perfect opportunity and start living now. Live now. Don't live for next week. Don't plan for next month. I'm not saying don't plan in terms of organization, but live today. Do you want to finish things that you start? We all do. There's the insight in verse 4. Stop looking at the clouds and start pulling out of the ground the seeds that you planted. It's all right there. If we want to live strong, brothers and sisters, we've got to not hesitate, not stop procrastinating, start living today. Fear not that life shall come to an end, but rather fear that it shall never have a beginning. Wow. You want to live strong, point two. got to live by the Spirit. You know, as we're turning to uh, the Book of Romans, I, I do want to acknowledge Donna Mark in the first point for, you know, living in the moment. And what she shared yesterday was so powerful at, at the conference, at the workshop, when she said, you know, I'm approaching 60. I'm getting my degree in psychology, and I have stopped telling myself I'm going to do this later. I'm doing it now, and I feel more alive than ever. Church, is that awesome to hear a sister in the congregation say that? I feel more alive than ever. I have stopped putting off this thing. You know, when I hear that, it gives me courage to pursue the things that God has called us to pursue. But the, the second point is, one, once we live by the moment and we're in the moment, what, what do we do next? Well, we've got to get into the Spirit. Amen? Romans chapter 8, once we live in the moment and, hey, look, the anxiety's gone, now what do we do with our life? Well, now we start thinking about spiritual matters. Romans chapter 8, verse 5, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in, in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The, the mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. It's a great theme here the sinful mind is hostile to God, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's not, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Brothers, therefore, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you you will die. Here's the grounding passage. But if by the Spirit you, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, You will live. You know, once we get at peace in our skin and we find that life is possible in the moment and we are stopping and we're no longer hesitating and we're desiring, okay, I want to take on some great projects right now and do some great things in my life. The second thing that we've got to do is we've got to look to God's word. We gotta understand God's Spirit and how God moves in the heart and in the mind of a man or a woman who has God's Spirit. Amen, church? And we gotta be re-reminded of that as a church. And we believe this, if you're visiting with us, that we believe that the Holy Spirit is indwelling and it comes to anyone who, who repents and in faith receives Christ in the waters of baptism, that they are forgiven of their sin, that they get God's gift of the Holy Spirit that they're added to his wonderful family. And God begins to do a work in them that was preordained, as the prophet David said, before their lives began. But today we've got to be grounded in this concept of allowing God's spirit. And we need to hear this and be comfortable with this, that there are things in our life that we cannot overcome unless God's spirit has his his presence in us. Are you with me right there? Meaning that if we struggle in this particular case, with hesitation, if we have grown up procrastinating, if we have grown up gripped in fear, if we are saddled with anxiety, that what Paul is stating here in the scripture is that there is power over that sin. And it can be put to death in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Church, is that awesome or what? We get the ability day after day, week after week, to identify things in our lives that are destroying how we live. And we get to take them to God in the presence of God. And the Scripture says, by the Spirit, we get to put to death the things that robs us from life. Mohandas Gandhi said this, It is my own firm belief that the strength of the soul grows in proportion as you subdue. The flesh. You know, Derek Hinton, apparently from campus, is a great example of a brother who's a prayer warrior. And that's awesome. You know, people that pray and pray in the Spirit, and you see and you see their joy, and you watch them come through the doors, and they're here they their fellowship, and then they're hugging people, and they're at themselves. And, because God's Spirit is alive in their life, and they're putting to death the things that spring back up. I once had a conversation with somebody recently who thought, you know, well, once you're baptized and you get the Spirit, you don't sin. No, you continue to sin after you have the Holy Spirit. And you see the battle in Romans 7 and Romans 8. And we all have a battle to fight till the day we die. But wouldn't it be awesome that every morning we can wake up and we can understand what that sin is. And in the presence of God, through the spirit, we get to pin that part of us down. So that the other part can come to life. And the love and the joy and the peace that you and I are are hungering for, it springs to life when we are subduing the lust. And the anger and the impatience and the self-righteousness that we struggle with as Christians. Do you want to live strong? Do you want to live strong? Yeah. Then you got to learn to live in the moment. You got to live now, not tomorrow, not next month. And if you want to live strong, you've got to live by the spirit because if you don't live by the spirit, you're going to live by the flesh. And like Brian talked about in communion, it's going to be a roller coaster ride. I forget the illustration he used. Was it the prodding thing? It's you know God prodding you from the back. It'll be more like the Professional Bull Riders Association. How many of you watch that on Versus? One of my favorite things. Watching those guys trying to hang on to that bull for eight seconds. I thought I'd love to do that. At least try it. Does anybody, if anybody knows of a mechanical bull, please tell me after the sermon. I'd like to go try that. But we got to live by the Spirit. So when we're in the moment and we're by the Spirit, third and last. We get to do something that I think excites me the most, and hopefully will excite you, is we get to live from strength. We get to live from our strengths. We're going to finish up here in the book of Matthew. Lastly, we get to live from our strengths. I'm all for trying to take on new things, and I'm all for pitching in, and I'm all for being all things to all men, and I want to obey the Bible. And But, boy, I think it's refreshing when we understand what we do well, and we do that. In Matthew 25, we get insight into this sharing in the happiness and in the joy that God offers us as Christians. It's the parable of the talents. We're not going to read the whole thing, but we do come to understand as we've studied our Bibles that a talent is a strength. We see it here in the scripture in in verse 15 to one. He gave five talents of money to another two talents and to another one talent. And here's the interesting part of the verse, each according to his ability No, I'm not a biblical scholar. I don't know if that means that if you were born and you had one talent that you can't go to two talents or five. I don't know if that, I don't know what that means in that context, but I do know this. God has given us, you and I, and designed us in a certain way and has given us either a lot or a little because of our ability to do well with it. Does that make sense? He gives us the talent. In verse 16, we, go, we see immediately that at once one of the men puts the talent to work. It multiplies. In verse 19, the master comes back. In verse 20, the man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share Your master's happiness. Come and be at peace. With God. How? What I see is that God designed this man in this story. To teach us that when God places something in you and I and we use it to do his will. It's what fires us up the most. And church, we got to crush this this. Fantasy about we would be happy doing something other than what God would want us to do. That somehow we've got a better plan. Somehow we got something else figured out that God hasn't quite wrapped his mind around yet. When we see from the scripture here that when we do what God intended us to do, wow. It's when we are most alive. Being you completely is not to be feared. It's to be pursued. And if you don't enjoy what you're doing right now, chances are you're not living out your strength. Don't live out another person's dream. you got to find your own and live out your own. I'm all for being encouraged by other people, but vision comes from God, not men. And I need people to help me see the plan God has for my life, not another person. As we close... I want to give us this charge in the next slide. We're going to talk this year about assessing, or not this year, but the next couple of months as a leadership team. We want to identify our key strengths one more time. We did this a couple of years ago in the south region, but we really want to be clear on, you know, what is it that God intended us to do? And I'm, really, I'm convinced of this too. As you mature, your strengths change. And so what your strengths were two years ago, they might not be today or five years ago. But I will say this. There's nothing more exciting to watch people using their strengths and completely. How about last night watching Jobo and Melissa dance on the dance floor? Did you guys see that? It's like watching the Olympics. I just stood there with my jaw. I'm like, wow. So that's what dancing is. I've never seen it until that moment, I think. But, but you know, I, really it really was a great visual for me to see these Christians with pure hearts, complete purity, dancing with one another and watching these five talent people on the dance floor just putting it all out there. And I go, yo, that's what it's like to live a strength. That's what it looks like visually. That's what God. That's what God wants to do with us. Even if we can't dance nearly like that. And so if you're visiting with us, we're so grateful that you're here. You know, this week we're starting what we call our vision talks, and we do it at the beginning of the year. You know, this year we'd like to focus our vision talks on what is your strength and how will you use it this year to be in service and in the will of God. I close with this quote, and you're invited to do that if you're visiting. Please come join us. We'd love to have that talk, and you can maybe describe to us what your vision is and what you think God's placing on your heart, and maybe you're like, I have no idea what that means, but come have a cup of coffee with us. Talk to us. We'd love to talk to you about your vision for your life and God's vision in 2011. Amen, church? I close with this uh, this thought here. We'll turn our Bibles to the book of uh, Hebrews. We'll close in Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. As we're turning to Hebrews 10, I leave you with a quote from Oliver Wendell Holmes that says, many people die with their music still in them. Why is this so? Too often it is because they are always getting ready to live. Before they know it, time runs out. Hebrews chapter 10. Are you with me, church? Verse 35. So do not throw your confidence away. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere, church, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. For in just a very little while he was coming, will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not, church of Christ, of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. We will live strong in two thousand. 11. Amen, church? And it'll be to God's glory. Amen. Thank you for your attention. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your spouse, your kids, and enjoy the playoffs.